Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... God! 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 To be the man! You gotta beat the man! The 2-1. Swan Lane drive left hand! Water on his end! This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down here in Tampa as we finish up the month of July. We passed the All-Star Game, and we are headed to about the last 60 games or so of the Major League Baseball season. Got the trade deadline coming up, first of next week. NFL training camps have opened. We've got some geopolitical sports news to cover as well. So, And we're also going to talk to Zach Gell. We're going to start our divisional previews this week. We're going to start with the AFC and NFC East. We're going to talk to Zach Gelb, national radio host, CBS Sports Affiliates. Uh, the Zach Gelb Show, Monday through Friday, 6 to 10, on all your CBS Sports Affiliates. You can also find CBS Sports Radio on SiriusXM as well. We're going to talk to Zach. Zach's based out of New York City, so we're going to get some great perspective on the NFC and AFC East teams and such. But before we get to Zach, let's hit on a couple of uh, things. Let's first start with Major League Baseball. Trade deadline fast approaching. Big speculation. Will Juan Soto get dealt from Washington? There was a lot of speculation early in the week. Maybe the Yankees were going to get involved. They've that that probably has cooled now that they've traded for Andrew Benintendi, the the former Red Sox, current Royal. They trade him to the Yankees for some prospects. So Soto, you know, the teams of seem to be most interested in Soto. Maybe St. Louis. Maybe potentially maybe a San Diego. Somebody like that. Maybe, Will there be a wild card team that comes out of blue? Remember, Soto has a couple of years left on his contract. He's already turned down, I think, $440 million from from Washington, which has prompted the Nationals to then unload him. You also got some uh, rumblings about maybe Shohei Otani might be be dealt with the Mike Trout injury that's, that's going on. He's got a back injury that may keep him out for quite some time. Um... There is some rumblings that maybe Otani gets dealt um, here at the trade deadline as well. Other other names to keep an eye on, Luis Castillo, the big pitcher from the Cincinnati Reds. A lot of people think the Dodgers will be in the mix on him. Uh, you have some other pitching, pitching prospects. You'll see some middle relievers, some bullpen guys get dealt to some of these contenders. Again, the teams that are going to be active, you're going to see L.A., you're going to see the Astros, the Mets, probably the Braves. And probably the Yankees will probably be the most active teams as they try to fortify their roster for the stretch run. I believe the deadline is August 2nd for the trade deadline. So you will see some flurry of activity this weekend and into Monday as the trade deadline approaches. So keep your eyes out on there. Um, Derek Jeter documentary. Have you been watching it? The Captain. Most people, if you're not a Yankee fan, you maybe don't have much interest in Jeter. Maybe you don't like Jeter, but I gotta, I gotta admit, I've watched three episodes. 
There's been four episodes uh, released, but th- I've, I've gotten through three episodes. It's a pretty good documentary, I gotta, I gotta admit. They do a good job chronicling all the Yankee uh, drama and all the stuff going on with Jeter d- growing into the job. And episode three was terrific. They talked about kind of the, a lot of A-Rod and Jeter clashes about some of the things A-Rod said to the media, sliding Jeter, things like that. So that was a really good episode. Episode four dropped on Thursday as well. It's a seven-part series, so you'll see some more episodes here in the next uh, couple of weeks that'll wrap probably wrap that up. But pretty good so far, I got to admit. Even if you're not a Yankee fan or maybe not a Jeter fan, there's a lot of insights, a lot of reporting, good stuff, good nuggets about the Yankee, just about the whole about baseball in general during the during the late '90s, early 2000s as they're as they're progressing through Jeter's career. So I would definitely recommend checking out the captain the jeter documentary that's being played on espn so good stuff there nfl training camps are underway all over the league all the leagues have uh all the teams have start started their training camps um a couple nuggets this week you had the kyler murray contractual clause that was going to require him to spend four additional hours on his own studying film all kind of you know Opinions about why would that clause be included in the contract? Is it disrespectful that it got out that the Cardinals forced him to do that? Nobody forced Kyler Murray to sign the contract. If he was that adamant about that clause, he should have not signed the contract till that clause got removed. You know, is it a bad job by his agent? Did his agent inform him of the clause? Who knows? But again, again, if you're going to give a guy 165, 170 million dollars, and it's a guy that maybe you haven't thought has maybe put maximum effort into the position as the franchise quarterback, there have been rumblings that have come out of Arizona the last couple of years that maybe Murray is not as detail oriented, not as committed to the game plan, studying, and all that as some other guys around the league. I don't have a problem with the Arizona putting that clause in the contract because if he didn't want the money, he shouldn't sign the he shouldn't sign the contract. Again, to me, it's just something that lets Murray know that the club is concerned, that the club wants to see a little more out of Murray when it comes to studying the playbook, when it comes to studying game plans, being committed to the team. He's, his leadership has been questioned both internally and by other people around the league over some things he's done in the last couple of years, the way he handles himself amongst teammates, all that kind of stuff. So I don't have a problem with Arizona putting that in the contract. If it's not a big deal, it's not a big deal. Who cares? But if it is a big deal and he fails to meet those things, that gives the Arizona Cardinals potentially a way to get out of the contract a couple years down the road here if things aren't going well in Arizona, potentially, and and Murray's not doing upholding his part of the bargain as far as preparation and things like that, potentially could give Arizona a way to get out of the contract. So, um, you know. I don't have a big issue with that. I think it's actually, you know, for it to be made public, okay, you can debate that. But for that clause to be in the contract, that's not a big deal to me, in my opinion. Um, If he's already doing it, then what's there to worry about? Then you keep doing what you're doing. If you're studying enough, you're studying enough. But uh, uh, DK Metcalf just got a huge extension at wide receiver for the Seahawks. Three years, $72 I think about $60 of it's guaranteed. So good for him. You got Joe Burrow with an appendectomy. He'll probably be out a week or so, I would think, uh, in Cincinnati. Not a huge deal. 
Um, you know, it's a pretty routine procedure from what most people say. You know, he misses a week of practice, not the biggest deal in the world. Julio Jones signs down with the Buccaneers as an insurance policy, as an extra uh, weapon for Tom Brady. Not sure what Chris Godwin's status is going to be for week one. Um, Ryan Jensen for the Bucks, their center, their Pro Bowl center. Looks like a looks like probably going to be a season-ending injury to his knee. Happened in practice on Thursday, so that's the one area of the of the, of the roster the Bucks are potentially a little vulnerable. Would be the offensive line. Remember, Ali Marpet retired. Their their Pro Bowl left guard. They lost their right guard Kappa to the Bengals in the offseason. Now they've lost their center. So the interior, the two guard spots in the center are the spots that are trying to fortify. Remember. The Bucks did trade for Shaq Mason from the Patriots in the offseason to play left guard. But now they have Robert Hainsey, their third-round pick from last year, plugged in to play center for now. And there's a battle for their right guard spot. A name to be on the lookout for potentially in another few days or so could be J.C. Treader, the veteran guard, Packer, Cleveland Brown, who's unsigned. He could be a guy that could you could plug in at center if you need to in a few days. If you don't feel like Hansy can do the job, uh, potentially there. So, uh, potential big injury for the Bucks there as we start training camp. But again, Hall of Fame induction ceremony will be at the end of next week in Canton. Uh, you'll have another Hall of Fame class, all that good stuff. So, NFL is about a five weeks away or so, five or six weeks away. Remember, they're only playing three preseason games this year. So, the uh, practices will be a little longer, a little less. You'll see some uh, inner inner squad practices between teams, probably about the third week of training camp. So you'll see a lot of teams going to travel to practice with another team for a couple of days. So be on the lookout for that for your your favorite team. But again, um, and again, we're going to talk to Zach Gelb here in just a minute or two. Zach's going to give a full breakdown. We're going to talk all things AFC and NFC East, team by team, breakdown, storylines, additions, subtractions. All kinds of things for each team, and we'll, and we'll pick division winners as well. So stay tuned for Zach Gelb here in just a couple of minutes. So uh, there's your training camp uh, <clears throat> news and nuggets from some roster stuff around the league. Last thing I want to talk about. It, it was released this week that uh, Biden and the U.S. government made a proposal to the Russians, to Putin, to trade Griner and, and the other military uh, detainee Paul Whalen for the Merchant of Death Boot, who's sitting in an American jail in Illinois, an arms dealer, a Russian arms dealer. The Americans have offered up Boot for the exchange for Griner and Whalen, a two-for-one deal. We'll be interested to see what Putin does. How long does he sit on it? Does he respond? Um, you know, would be again with all the stuff going on in Ukraine. Will will Putin string out Biden? In this move, will he make the trade? Be very interested to see what happens here. I don't expect it to be a immediate uh, agreement. I would say something either um, something to think about. Putin will, may want to wait till the, the midterm elections in the United States are over, November, to make this happen. Who knows how what he's thinking? But again, I think this is a good trade offer to make it public by Biden. One, it shows that he cares about the you know about the citizens and to give up Boot. I know Boot's a bad guy, but if you don't think there's ten other guys around the world that are trying to sell arms to people around the around the world to inflict damage on the United States, you're not you're not paying attention. 
Um, but I, if I was the Biden administration, I would make the trade if, if, if Putin agrees. We'll see what Putin ends up doing. Uh, if Putin does not make this agreement, he will have some hell to pay, I think, at some point here real soon. So, uh, But again, Biden makes the public offering, Griner and Whalen, for the merchant of death, Boot, who's sitting in, an, in a federal prison here in the United States. So we'll look forward to seeing how that unfolds here in the coming weeks and potentially months. So there you have it. Some news and nuggets. Uh Mega millions. Hopefully you maybe have a chance to, it has rolled over yet again. It is over $1 billion. The next drawing I believe is, is over the weekend, right around the 30th, 31st of July. So get your tickets. If you're listening to this before Saturday night, get your tickets over a billion dollars. Unbelievable that it's rolled over this many times. So that will be a story in itself next week if somebody wins it. You'll get the whole drama of who won it. Would you take a one lump sum fee or would you take it over time? I'd probably be taking the lump sum fee. So you'll probably net probably 650 or so, 600 million. If it's 1.1 billion, you're probably going to lose 45 to 50% of that money. So you're probably looking at 5.550 million to 600 million dollar one-time payout, but there will be a party to be had when somebody has those ticket numbers. So have a good weekend. Enjoy Zach Gelb. We will have start, next week. We will have David Moulton. We'll be previewing the AFC and NFC North. David Moulton working with ESPN Monday Night Football crew. So Zach Gelb this week. David Moulton next week. We're going to give you previews of all the divisions in the NFL throughout August. We're also going to give you college football previews for the big conferences as we approach opening day of the college football season in late August. So, so we have an action-packed, information-packed uh, August full of podcasts for you So uh, as well. So uh, one more thing. I will be hosting an additional podcast in the fall as well called the College Football Florida Football Insiders. We're going to be talking all things state of Florida fo college football, Florida, Florida State, Miami, South Florida, FAU, any, any of the news and nuggets concerning the, the college teams in the state of Florida. So that's going to be a new podcast starting at the college football season. Florida Football Insiders. We'll have guests from around the state of Florida. So if you're into, into Florida State, Florida, Miami football, we'll have all the news and notes, recaps, previews of the next week's games and such. So check it out. It's coming late August will be the debut of that podcast. We'll also be having the No Quarter Given podcast again in the NFL season where we focus on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'll still have this this podcast as well. So tell your friends, subscribe, rate, and review. Go to the YouTube channel as well for all the video interviews. The, the Jason Powers Sports Channel on YouTube where you can catch all the interviews and you'll be able to catch Zach Gelb as well. So Zach Gelb, CBS Sports, national radio host coming up here in just a minute previewing the AFC and NFC East. Enjoy. We'll be back to the podcast in just a moment. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. If you need to, if you are in the house purchasing business this year, this summer, reach out to Titan Home Lending to get pre-approved. You need to be pre-approved before you start house hunting with your realtor, before you can make an offer. All sellers are going to want to know that you're pre-approved. So reach out to Titan Home Lending. 
so you can figure out how much house you can afford based on your financial situation. FHA, VA, conventional, jumbo, if you're self-employed, we can do non-QM type loans. If you're a business owner and such, if your credit score is not great, we do have options for you as well. So definitely reach out to Titan Home Lending anywhere in the state of Florida that you're looking for a home from Key West to Pensacola to Jacksonville to anywhere in between. Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. You can search us online uh, at Titan Home Lending. We can help you get approved for your home mortgage and we'll definitely get you a very good interest rate to match along with it. So Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404 and ask for Jason Powers. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. Appreciate you finding us. We are in the thralls of NFL training camp here in the month of August. We are going to be doing a two-division per-episode preview for the entire month of August, and we are going to be starting off with the NFC and AFC East, and no better person to talk to about the AFC and NFC East than Zach Gelb. He is the host of the CBS Sports Radio Show, The Zach Gelb Show, weeknights 7 to 10 p.m., on all your CBS Sports Radio affiliates, plus he's on SiriusXM as well. So, Mr. Gell, welcome to the show, sir. Jason, great to be here. And I was a little bit disappointed when we first met a few weeks back after my Rangers lost to the Lightning. I was disappointed about that, but we went out for lunch with a bunch of other people, most importantly, TJ Reeves, a mutual friend of ours. And you didn't order any dessert. You didn't have the key lime pie. And I'm still annoyed that you didn't have any dessert, especially when TJ was paying. I know, right? I, I know. Bad thing is I see TJ often enough, so I got to be careful because he'll get me the next time I buy. So I got to be careful. It's a good I point. I, I wasn't on the much. inside of, of all the who's paying for who when I was in Tampa. So, yes, uh, I know that TJ is never shy. and will probably run up your bill the next time. So exactly. it makes sense. Now. So you got to be careful. Got to be careful. All right, Zach, before we get to the division, I want to get a couple quick minutes about your career. Give the audience a little perspective of how, how long you've been in the business. How'd you, how'd you get in? Kind of what was your big break? And where'd you go to school and all that good stuff? A couple minutes. Yeah. So when I was eight years old, I went into work with my father who produced uh, Mike and the Mad Dog at the time. And the show before them was Sid Rosenberg and Joe Beningo. And their producer is a big Patriots fan by the name of Ray Martell when Ray was working with those guys when they were doing the middays at the fam. So they put me on the air because they thought it'd be a good bit with Joe being a crazy Jets fan to have an eight-year-old kid talk some smack about the Patriots uh, up and go, going up against the Jets with that matchup. So I was driving home with my dad that day, and I would always try to play hooky and go to work with my dad because I thought it was the coolest thing, my father working at a sports talk radio station. I said to him, this is what I want to do. Now, my dad didn't say it at the time, but a few years later, he goes, you do not want to be involved in this business. Go do something else. Uh, this it could be a very painful business and a ruthless business, although it is very rewarding. And I've seen both sides of it. So I've always grinded away. And then eventually I kind of proved to my dad, okay, I have some talent and I was good at this. And there was an entertainment value to it. And I started doing a show out of my basement when I was in high school. Then the next thing you know, I started building contacts and connections that way. Cause there's a lot of people that want to help out a youngster in this business. Then I did a show in college, had a lot of success there. And then right out of college, I got hired to be the program director at Fox Sports 920, the Jersey. And that was right in the, uh, the spring of 2016, right after graduation. So I was there for two years, 
There was one year when I was there where I did the post game when the Eagles won the Super Bowl on 97.5, the Fanatic in Philadelphia. And when I went to the Super Bowl, I had a meeting with a few people nationally at CBS Sports Radio. They wanted me to do the weekend overnight. So I did that for almost two years, two to 6 a.m. And then to continue this long story and make it even shorter, went to Sirius for three months, did the Monday night and Thursday night football show post game on Sirius XM NFL Radio, did three shows as well a week on Mad Dog Radio. And after only being there for three months, CBS called me back and they offered me the 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern time show, which I've been doing ever since uh, 2019. So it's been a blast. It's been a whole lot of fun. And and there's been a lot of things that have been going on in the world. So there's been a lot of moments where we've had sports, where we haven't had sports, right. but I've had a blast just trying to entertain everyone Monday through Friday on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah, I remember I remember when you were on Sirius XM, I used to, I, before I met you, obviously, it was a couple of years ago, I I remember hearing you, you do your shows and all that stuff. So I, I do remember. Yeah, you're sure probably like, who's this jackass talking sports? That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, good, good dude in person for sure. All right, let's get to it. Let's get to the AFC East. Let's start in your neck of the woods, New York City. New York Jets coming off a four and thirteen year, year two of Robert Sala at the helm. Obviously, they draft Zach Wilson last year. Some mixed results there. A little bit of good. The thing I'm going to lead into into year two, big first round draft pick class for the Jets. Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner. Uh, you know they they got the kid out of Florida State, Jermaine Johnson. Big draft for the Jets in year two with Zach Wilson. Just your general thoughts about the Jets heading into year two here. So once again, I'm a Patriot fan. And all my friends were shocked because I was hosting the draft show for CBS Sports Radio this year in Las Vegas. And I gave the Jets a ton of praise for the first round that they had and the three guys that you just mentioned. I thought the Jets hit it out of the park in the first round. You pretty much couldn't do much better than what the Jets did. And these guys obviously have to prove themselves because you hear potential. Potential means you haven't done it. But yep. the Jets are going to be the fourth team in this division. I don't think that's a knock on the Jets. I don't think that's putting down the Jets. It's just reality when you look at the rest of the landscape of the AFC East. But what you need to see at the end of this year, the headline from this season can't be, oh, Zach Wilson may or may not have slept with his mother's best friend. That can't <laughs> be the headline because that's all that people want to talk about right now. We need to see if you are a Jets fan that Zach Wilson can play the position and make you feel like he could be a franchise quarterback because the Jets have rotated in a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of GMs, a lot of coaches. This is a big year to see what the rookies and what the last year players could do for Joe Douglas. Robert Sal is going to take some strides in year number two. But most importantly, it all starts with the quarterback because now there's competent pieces around him up front also to throw the football to. And I like the backfield that they have. So Zach Wilson has to show you something this year. Yeah, sneaky guy they drafted, not in the first round, but like I think it was the second round. Brees Hall, the kid out of Iowa State. A lot of people have high expectations. For and him. I like Michael Carter, too. I yep. think Michael yep. Carter's going to have a big year. Did some nice things last year. Does Wilson have enough skill players around him on the outside? I know he got Wilson, the guy they drafted. Do they have enough at tight end and the other receiver spots to, to, to be able to for us to tell if Zach Wilson can do it? Well, I think he's in a better spot than he was a year ago. And you bring in C.J. Uzama in this offseason. I know we don't usually look at the Bengals as a team that's great, but they right. were just in a Super Bowl, and he did some positive things. So I think he has enough to go show you that he could go get six or seven wins this year. And here was – like when Sam Darnold was here, Sam Darnold – and I know he didn't have a good coach. I know he didn't have a lot of talent around him. But there's got to be some guys that just elevate. Like when Deshaun Watson was in the, with the Texans, he right. led the league in passing and had barely no one to throw the football to and no one in that backfield. I'm not saying you have to go lead the league in passing, but you have to at least give me a handful or two of moments this year that you go, okay, this could be the guy 
for the Jets. That's something Sam Darnold never did in New York. Wilson has to do it in year number two. And he did have some moments last year where he had some flashes of some of brilliance of good throw. You're thinking, okay, this guy's got an arm. Last question about the Jets and we'll move on. Questions about Robert Sala. Is he a coordinator or is he a head coach material? What, do you, what did you get in year one of Sala as a head coach? Well, I love his introductory press conference. Now, what does that really mean? I think Salah has the potential of being a really good coach. He was a phenomenal motivator and did yep. a heck of a job with that defense with the 49ers. But how many times do we see a hot coordinator? Everyone wants him. And the Jets usually do not get that guy. They landed this guy. Here's what I said when he got the job. Year one's a wash. Year two improve. And then going into year number three, you right. have to have the look of a coach or at least give that confidence to the fan that, okay, we can make the playoffs this year. He gets three years. Year one, it wasn't anything disastrous. It's kind of one how I expected it to. He's yeah. got to take that next step this season and get three, three or four more wins than what he had from a year ago, probably. All right, let's stay in state. Let's go up to Buffalo. Sean McDermott leading the charge, 11-6 Buffalo. They lose the heartbreaker in Kansas City in the playoffs last year, the disastrous last 13 seconds of regulation there. They add Von Miller, big addition. They add Jamison Crowder, a guy you're familiar with. Case Keenum is a backup quarterback. They draft a cornerback in the first round. What are your thoughts, Buffalo? To me, their, their pass rush has always been their problem the last couple of years as far as an elite defensive team. Good defense, but never elite because of that pass rush. Is Vaughn Miller the guy that answers those questions? Well, I talked to Brandon Bean right after the draft when he joined us on the show, and the number one thing he said about Vaughn Miller, they know he could still play. There were questions about that at, when he got traded from Denver. He showed that in the postseason. He showed that down the stretch with the Rams. But they bring him in, and the biggest part is you can't put a value on that Super Bowl experience. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If Von Miller was on that field in the final 13 seconds going up against Kansas City, I don't think Buffalo would have been running around like chickens without their heads uh, you know, all, you know, attached to them. I think that experience is big. Bringing in a guy like that, you can't place a value on Super Bowl experience. I know the contract is a little bit misleading. I love what Buffalo did this offseason. And I'll even say this. I know that they just lost Brian Dayball to the Giants and they replaced with Dan. And you also uh, going out there and Joe Brady's now the quarterback coach and, and all that. I think Buffalo is the most talented team in the NFL. I think Buffalo should be in the Super Bowl. You have a window here. Buffalo should win the Super Bowl. Now can you take advantage? The last few years, you got your feet wet. You won some AFC East championships. You won some playoff games. You've been in a title game. You had the heartbreak last year in the divisional round. You have the line. You have the quarterback. You have the weapons. And you have a good enough defense. I know number one last year, but a little bit misleading. And we saw yep. what happened in the final 13 seconds. You also get back Tredavious White, who blew right, out his right. leg on Thanksgiving. I look at Buffalo to me right now as we sit here on the 21st day of July, they're my pick to win it all. And they, and again, the, the dealing with pressure and expectations, they were all the last couple of years, they've been the rising team. Now they're the team everybody expects to get to the Super Bowl and unseat Kansas City and unseat the, the team, the strong teams in the AFC. Is McDermott a big enough coach? You know, he, you know, he, he melted down in Kansas City. Say what you want to say. He melted down. He should know better. He's a defensive guy. Is he the guy that can, can take them to the Super Bowl? I think he's been there for five years. It's going to be a sixth season, and he's been to the playoffs four times, yep. and one time was with Terod Taylor. Now, I know the Eagles ended up getting it right, but when I was in Philadelphia and they hired Doug Peterson, I was advocating for them to hire Sean McDermott. So I happen to be a Sean McDermott fan. He is a really, 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 really good coach. If he wants to become a great coach, he has to show that he has what it takes. What he's done in Buffalo so far 
is marvelous. Yep, but yep. now those fans aren't going to be sitting back and saying, oh, Sean, we're just happy with being in the playoffs the next right, year. Right. This is an organization that's been to four straight Super Bowls years ago. I know they lost every single one in heartbreaking fashion. You have to go deliver those great fans of Buffalo that jump through tables and eat a bunch of barbell wings and duff wings a championship, a Lombardi trophy. I think he has what it takes, but there's a difference in me thinking he has what it takes and then him actually showing the results of the field. Last question in Buffalo. Obviously, Dayball goes to the Giants. Ken Dorsey takes over as OC. Pretty seamless there. They're keeping the same offense, the same vernacular, all that good stuff. You think Ken Dorsey will be okay? I mean, you're going to see a lot of Josh Allen at the line of scrimmage, audible and calling a lot of plays probably. You think the, the Dorsey transition will be any issue? No, I don't think so whatsoever because you hit the nail right in the head. They have Josh Allen. So I have no concerns. Josh Allen's a top five quarterback in the league. We've seen a lot of great quarterbacks lose coordinators throughout the years. The great quarterbacks, yes, I'm not undermining the importance of a coordinator because it is important to have that synergy sure. with your quarterback, but I think they'll be more than fine because of the guy that they have thrown the football. All right, let's go to your neck of the woods, the fandom that you have for the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick. 10 and seven last year, they get smashed in Buffalo in the wild card round. They, they, you know, a very peculiar first round pick in Cole strange, kind of a guy nobody ever heard of often strange line. pick. A lot of people thought he was a second or third round pick at best. The biggest first question I'm going to have for you, Joe judge or Matt Patricia calling plays in new England. Really? If that's the case, I don't usually ever doubt Bill Belichick. That one, I will not get. I, my theory is that the hoodie is actually going to be calling the plays. I think it's going to be Bill Belichick. But if they have Matt Patricia, who I liked as a defensive coordinator, yeah. with his pencil in his ear trying to <laughs> put this formula out there for Mac Jones, I'll be ill. And I saw Joe Judge here in New York. I know he's with the yeah. Patriots before, yeah. mainly a special teams coordinator and then a receiving coach for a year or two. But Joe Judge was taking knees and having kneel downs inside his own five-yard line a year ago on back-to-back -back plays. I don't want that guy telling Mac Jones what plays to call. I think they have a lot of trust in Mac Jones. Maybe Mac Jones takes a big step in year number two and operates at the line of scrimmage. Ultimately, though, Bill, really, Judge, Patricia, <laughs> I know you do some strange things, and usually you shut everyone up. I don't think those two guys will be calling the plays. I really do believe it's still going to be the hoodie. Added Devontae Parker, Jabril Peppers, lost a big corner in J.C. Jackson. Shaq Mason, one of their linemen, traded down here to Tampa with Tom Brady. What do you see as the, what do you see as the future of Belichick? Is he here for the next couple of years, five years? What do you see as Bill, Bill's future in New England? Well, you know he's chasing the Shula record for the right. most wins in the history of the NFL, and I do think that's important because – uh, I've interviewed Bill before. If you ask Bill the generic questions, he'll give you nothing. When you get into the history of the game, even though he'll undermine his own importance in it, um, he will definitely value that. And that will mean something significant to him if you have the most wins out of any coaches in, in the history of the NFL. I have no clue when Bill's going to leave. I've said this years ago, and I'll say it again. I've been told this, that when Robert Kraft is, steps away from the day-to-day -day operations or Jonathan Kraft takes more right. of a bigger role, then that will be the out for Bill Belichick. Not that Jonathan and Bill have a bad relationship, but because of how close and how loyal Belichick feels and how much he thinks he owes to Robert Kraft for getting him there into New England with all those complexities at the time. So that could be dependent on how much longer Kraft is there and fully being the guy, the main point person in New England. But I think Bill wants to leave this franchise in a good spot. I think that's important to him. I think he wants to show people Brady got it done without me. I could go find a way to still 
get a Super Bowl. I was very happy with what they did a year ago. I thought Cam was going to start. I did not want Cam to start. I wanted Mac Jones to start. I was happy with Mac Jones. But it would not surprise me this year if the Patriots regress a little bit. I'm not really concerned about the offense other than uh, which Bozo, if it's Patricia, or if it's going to be judges calling the plays, if that is going to be true. I'm, right. I feel pretty good about the offense. It's defensively where I am concerned. I was at that game, freezing my ass off in Buffalo. Negative two <laughs> degrees was not fun. And that defense got destroyed up and down yeah. the field. They lost a lot of pieces on that defense. I think the secondary is better than what people think, but the front seven is still a concern to me. So my concern with the Pats this year is more defense and offense. I think they will still be a good team, like nine and eight, 10 and seven, but that's probably not going to be good enough to get the seventh seed in this AFC, which is very crowded. As the fan base, as the fan, and you're one of you're, you're part of that fan base. Do you, is that fan base getting a little nervous about what's going on? It's year three after Brady. He really hasn't. I mean, you, like you said, they probably overachieved a little bit next last year. Do you think this year they really need to see this, or are they going to be okay if they're nine and eight or ten and seven again? I, I can't speak for the entire fan base, but I'll say this: anyone that's doubting Bill Belichick, other than who's going to be calling the offensive plays, is a bleeping moron. If there is one person that says if the Pats miss the playoffs this year that Bill Belichick needs to get fired. You either have not watched football for the last 20, 30, 40 years, or you're just looking for attention. To me, Belichick, even if he misses the playoffs this year, if anyone says he's on the hot seat, that's ridiculous to me with what he's done in this league. And it's funny. Now, everyone says it's all Brady, it's all Brady, it's all Brady. And I hate that conversation. Who gets more of the, the credit? Is it Brady or Belichick? For years, I said it's slightly more Brady because he's on the field that even Belichick will say it's yeah. all about the players at the end of the day. But Tom Brady doesn't become who Tom Brady is without Bill Belichick, because if that was the case, the guy would have been a first round pick. And remember, he went in the six round pick 199 overall. And Belichick had a great defense early. Brady then was better than what anyone thought. The Bledsoe injury, all of that. Belichick, there's been many games the Patriots won because of him. There's been many games the Patriots won because of Tom Brady. And there's been many games where they won because of both of their greatness in the NFL. So I hate that conversation. <laughs> All right, so let's go to probably maybe the one the probably maybe the biggest wild card team in the whole league, the Miami Dolphins. Big changes down there. You had the whole Brian Flores situation in the offseason. He left. They hire Mike McDaniel, the OC from San Francisco, to be the head coach. You have the, the huge trade they make for Tyreek Hill. They give up a boatload of draft picks. They bring in Teron Armstead to solidify the line. But Tua, Tua, Tua. What's your thoughts on Tua in year three? Make or break year for Tua? It's put up or shut up time for Tua Tunga Vailoa. And I don't think the Dolphins are going to make the playoffs this year. Okay. I think they will be a competent team. I think they will be ab above eight wins in that eight to 10 win range. But as I said about the same thing with the Patriots, eight to 10 wins, you're not a lock to make the postseason this year. If you're in that nine or 10 win category in the AFC with how deep it is, if you get nine or 10 wins in the NFC, yeah, you could go be the six or the seven seed, but that's not going to be the case in the AFC. Tyree Kill he confuses me because at first, all he does is hype up his guy to a tongue of Iloa. And then you hear some of the comments recently. Oh, it's a prove it year for two. And it's like, do you believe in the guy or don't you believe in the guy? I compare Tyree kill to this and Tyree kills a phenomenal football player as we all know, but Tyree kill is the guy that broke up with his ex realizes it was a mistake to break up with his ex now is getting with his new girlfriend and he's telling everyone, Oh, this new girlfriend's better than the other girlfriend. This is awesome. This is unbelievable. And all his buddies are saying, dude, what are you talking about? You're a moron for leaving the other person that you were with. Right. That's what I think's going on with Tyree kill right now. He'll take a step back. He'll still be phenomenal because he has great speed, but he will miss the chiefs more than the chiefs will miss him. 
Are you worried about Mike McDaniel? Never, never really calling plays. He was kind of the understudy in San Francisco to Shanahan. There's been a lot of talk. How much involvement was he really in the offense? You get mixed reviews of, of all that stuff. Are you worried about a first-year head coach going to Miami with all that pressure that they do have on the team? Well, here's what I like. They improved the offensive line greatly. They're going to make a commitment to running the football. I don't know what Mike McDaniel is going to be. I know everyone loves his personality and how he's a little bit bizarre when he gets to the podium. Yeah. But that could fade very fast, especially if this team gets off to a rough start. The first five to six weeks of this season, we'll know who the Miami Dolphins are. They can't start off like how they did last year, because if they do, that's right. going to get ugly quick in Miami. <clears throat> yeah, and, and then you have the looming presence of Sean Payton out there as a potential mm -hmm. guy. You know, if McDaniels did have a poor year, it could be a one and done if he really cratered because you got Sean Payton out there. And then you also have the speculation of potentially Tom Brady leaving Tampa, maybe coming down there to play, owner, who knows. But a lot of pressure on Miami. To me, they're the one of the big, they're probably the biggest wild card team in the AFC for sure that could go either way. They could, like you said, they could be an eight or nine win team. And then a lot of people think they, they could be a 10 or 11 win team. I don't know about that, but but we'll see. All right, you listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. We're on with Zach Gelb, host of the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. We're breaking down NFC and AFC East division previews heading into uh, the regular season, which will be coming up here in a few weeks. Let's go to the NFC, my man. Let's start up in Washington. Our buddy Daniel Snyder refuses to, to answer the subpoena. Doesn't want to well, go not to my buddy. I can't stand I know, the guy. No, I know, I know. <laughs> all the, the drama going on in D.C. over the last few years with the name and all the allegations and all that stuff. They were 7-10 and 10 under Rivera. They uh, Carson Wentz comes in. They lose Brandon Sheriff. They re-signed Terry McLaurin. Um, goofy move, Carson Wentz bringing. What was your thought of them bringing in Carson Wentz? Oh, I can't stand Carson Wentz. I used to be a big believer when he was in Philadelphia, yeah. and then everything people were telling me about the guy, I didn't want to believe, and then it happened, and it blew up right in front of all of our faces. He goes to Indianapolis. I did not like that decision by the Colts. It blew up in their faces in that final game of the season up against the pathetic, lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. And yep. now the Commanders, in typical Commanders fashion, they give up a three, another three that could turn into a two, and they swap twos and got the lesser of the right. second-round pick. I, the Commanders have needed a quarterback for a while. Wouldn't you rather have Jimmy G right now for basically nothing? Wouldn't you rather have Baker Mayfield for a conditional fifth round pick than right. what they gave up for Carson Wentz? Carson will have some bright moments. He'll help go play four or five good games like last year when he won that game up against the Cardinals when he had no offensive line. Yep. But when the moment is the biggest, the guy will crumble. He's not a franchise quarterback. The defense in D.C. has kind of been the thing the last few years. They've got a ton of number one picks on the front seven. Rivera is a pretty good defensive coach. Can this team be competitive in this division? I mean, it's a, it's a it's a middle of the pack division. There's not one team that's going to run away and hide. I don't think so. It's probably going to be a team where inter division games are going to be fascinating because everybody's probably going to be three and three or four and a three and three kind of scenario. They've got the, the ability to do that. Your thoughts on Rivera as a head coach and his future there? Yeah, I like Ron Rivera. I just think he's in a tough spot because Dan Snyder is the owner and that organization always has a stench of incompetence no matter who you bring in. And there's always something going on away from the football field. I actually like this roster, though. Other than the quarterback, 
I think Antonio Gibson will be a heck yeah. of a player in this league. I love the wide receiving room. Terry McLaurin is sensational. Jahan Dotson, I like him coming out of Penn State. Curtis Samuel, we got to see if he could stay healthy. And defensively, the biggest question is, is Chase Young going to play coming right. up on week one? I was with him for about 30 minutes down at the NFL draft in Las Vegas. I asked him that question. He said he wants to be there on the field week one. He's just not going to make any comment on that at the time. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, they lost Matt Ioannidis, who he goes to Carolina, who I thought was a very underrated player, but they have so much on that defensive line. This is a team that they could be good if they just had the quarterback. They don't have the quarterback. So that's why I think they'll be on the outside looking in, even though the NFC is very weak. All right, let's go down to Philadelphia, your your old stomping grounds. Nick Sirianni surprised a lot of people. Not, not a lot of people thought he was going to be a make that make a wild card berth of that Eagle team last year. Nine and eight. They come down to Tampa, get thrashed by the Buccaneers in the wild card round. They add Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean, both Georgia guys. The huge acquisition, A.J. Brown at wide receiver. They, they team him up with Devontae Smith. They bring in Hassan Reddick. Jalen Hurts, again, the wild card question out of Philadelphia. Is he the long-term answer or is he a stopgap guy in your opinion? No, I don't think he's the long-term answer, but they were nine and eight with him last year. So if he gets to the playoffs again, and I do think he'll be in the postseason this year, wow. it's going to be tough not to go out there and extend him or keep him around in Philadelphia. I, I have been up and down on Howie Roseman. I probably have praised him a thousand times and have wanted <laughs> him fired a thousand times. And there's been a lot of history there throughout the years where he got his office moved and basically was told to get away from the team when Chip Kelly came in. Then right. no surprise, Chip Kelly was a disaster in the NFL. And then he brought Philadelphia their first ever Lombardi championship. And he's always been aggressive. They have a good offensive line. They have a really good wide receiving room. AJ Brown was a home run move. Yep. You have Devontae Smith out of Alabama, a very good defense. I love the move of bringing Hassan Redick. I went to college with home back to Philadelphia. He played at Temple, played his uh, college football games at Lincoln Financial Field. Now he will play his NFL games there. I think the Eagles are going to – I'm not saying a Super Bowl. I'm not even saying an NFC title game. But I do think the Eagles will win the NFC East this year, even if Hurts is not great. I just like what the Eagles did, and that A.J. Brown move does move the needle for yes. me and makes them slightly better than the Cowboys. Is is Miles Sanders the answer at running back? I know he's had a lot of potential, and he's staying staying healthy. He's been his issue. What do you think of, of, of that running attack with him and Jalen Hurts leading the running game? Well, he's got to be healthy. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But when he does get on the field, he does make plays. Um, I liked him ever since going back to Penn State, even though he was kind of underrated there because of other people they had in that room. But I think that he'll be fine if he's able to stay healthy this year. All right, New York Giants. Brian Dayball comes in, head coach, comes from Buffalo. They team him up with the GM, the assistant GM from Buffalo. What do you, first of all, what do you think? What do you think of that tandem? Them bringing both guys from Buffalo together. You think that's a good mix? Here's the thing with the Giants: they, have, for the first time in a while, finally got one of the top candidates on the market. You didn't have to surprise people and bring in a Joe Judge. Yep. You didn't have to settle after four or five guys that you wanted that you didn't get and brought, bring in Pat Shermer. The Giants have been a disgrace the last five years. It's been dysfunctional. It's been chaotic. And the Giants have lost their way. I, I think the Maras need to get out of the way a little bit. That's why I like this continuity that they brought in. I've talked to Joe Shane a few times. I, he's done a really good job as the AGM under Brandon Bean uh, in Buffalo. And you bring in Brian Dayball. And once again, 
tremendous coordinator, knows yeah. Saban, worked with Saban, has worked for Belichick, has flourished on his own in Buffalo. I know some people could say, oh, but he had Josh Allen. No one knew that Josh Allen was going to be this great and was going to be a top five quarterback in the league when he was coming out of Wyoming, of all places. Yep. So that's a credit to Dayball and that regime and also Joe Shane, who did a great job evaluating players in Buffalo and even going back to Carolina. But can you be the guy when you become the head honcho? I, I'm a fan of Dayball and Shane, but once again, I think it's a three-year plan. This year's a wash. Year two, okay, you got to take some improvements, and then year number three, you got to get this team back to the postseason. Is this just running it? Is just is this just running out the clock with Daniel Jones? They're gonna yeah. play this year with Daniel and then restart next year. When I had Joe on my show, I go, "How can you guys say that you believe in Daniel Jones when you don't pick up his fifth-year option?" I have people say, "Oh, they could franchise tag him if things work out well." Right. They're punting this season on quarterback. It's we didn't bring in this guy. Let's just see what Brian Dayball could do. There was no one else that we really loved there. And you'll wait till next year's draft when the quarterback class does Very get good. richer. Very good class next year. Very good. All right, let's head to Dallas. The final team in the NFC East here. Obviously, Mike McCarthy under the gun here. Again, a lot of speculation about his future. Dan Quinn. You got Sean Payton out there. They, they won the division 12-5 and five last year. Lose to San Francisco. Um, they, they trade Amari Cooper to Cleveland. Again, is this, a, is this another question of can Dak take him over the top? Is he the guy that can take him over the top is the question you get. I think he's a very good quarterback. And that's the, the thing in the NFL right now. Very good quarterbacks get paid like they're great quarterbacks. Yep. And you can make a case that Dak is only the 11th best quarterback in the league. Right. And you right. look at the contract, you're expecting this should be a guy that takes you to the Super Bowl. And there's nothing wrong with being a very good quarterback. And you could win a Super Bowl with a very good quarterback. But what happened in the postseason last year was a disgrace. They were not ready for that game. Jimmy Garoppolo was trying to hand them the game, and they couldn't even snap the ball off at the end. I don't believe in McCarthy. I think McCarthy will be out at the end of the year because you need to do more than just make the playoffs and just win the NFC East this year. And Dak Prescott's going nowhere. You hit you once again, Sean Payton. That's the guy everyone's talking about. That's the guy that people have been talking about for years. Now he is available because he's in retirement, even though they probably have to get a deal done. But if Sean Payton, I'll give you two destinations. If the Chargers don't make the playoffs yes, this year, yes. I, I would be begging if I'm Sean Payton to go get that job with that talent. But if Staley has success and make the playoffs like I think they will, right. then probably Sean going to wind up with the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys will have a good record. There'll be, there'll be times where people are like, how about them Cowboys? And they will be believing in this team. But in the big moment, just like Carson Wentz, in the big moment, we know the commanders will fail. In the big moments, the difference is the Cowboys will actually be in the playoffs. Dallas is going to come up short. All right, so it sounds like you like Philadelphia in the NFC East and Buffalo in the AFC East. Great analysis, Zach. Tell everybody where they can find you one more time on social media and, and plug your show. Yeah, Jason, I appreciate it. You could always uh, catch us on CBS Sports Radio Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern, except I'm finally taking a vacation for the first time in a long time starting tomorrow for a week. So uh, we, we still have great fill-in programming. Don't worry about we'll tremendous people hosting the show, uh, but make sure you catch me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Zach Gelb, Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B. And we always have fun talking football, baseball, hockey, basketball, whatever it is. You never know what pops up in the sports world. Zach did a, does a great job listening to him all the time on Sirius XM. Don't be coming down trying to steal. Don't, don't be trying to steal our Stanley Cup with your Rangers, man. You came you know down. You, <laughs> he's, as he's putting on his Rangers hat right here on the, on, the, on the Zoom interview here. So 
Keep your guys' run is over. It's uh, time for for new champions. And you got right. to the cup final, then you lose. Yeah, you guys will probably kick her ass next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll keep up the great work, Zach. Zach, appreciate the time, man. We'll talk again real soon and have a great summer, the rest of your summer. You got it, Jason. Next time, you better get the key lime pie, all right? Yes, you got it. You got it, buddy. Take care. Have a great, have a great football season, buddy. You too. Thanks so much. See you, Zach. Thanks again for listening to the Powers on Sports podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight. Remember, you can reach out to us on Twitter at JPOSports. So we'd love to hear your feedback, comments, suggestions for future episodes. And again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.